0: she's tori
1: and he's nick
0: and this is i want to watch
1: in x files adjacent podcast
0: in search of
1: the bermuda triangle this episode was written and produced by alan landsberg He's also the executive producer of the series, the original pilots, and the author of several In Search of related books, which, for the most part, read as episode narration.
0: Which makes sense.
1: Yeah, because that's how he's writing, right? That's Mm -hmm. his style. In addition to In Search of, a sample of Landsberg's production credits include the show Biography, Landsberg wrote, directed, and or produced 65 episodes hosted by Mike Wallace from 1961 to 1963, And in 1987, the rights to the series were purchased by A&E, which began developing new episodes. Episodes eventually became so popular that they spawned their own channel, the Biography Channel, which I vaguely remember in the heyday of like the 200- channel cable packages one of the channels would be like yeah i remember watching
0: the the series biography we watched i watched it all the time yeah Um, i watched it i did not realize it was a thing before it was on a and e i did not realize it was like a 1961 1963 version that this was based on i thought it was just something that a and e came up with so that was yeah
1: me too but i do remember watching it occasionally especially when they had like a good you know biography on you're like Mm -hmm. oh hey he also worked on numerous national geographic specials he worked on The World of Jacques Cousteau in 1966. Landsberg Executive produced the first season of this landmark aquatic exploration documentary program that was later renamed The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau, which I actually oh. haven't seen The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau. but Oh,
0: I remember watching that as a kid, too. If you look for it now, you will only find it as The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau. They don't use the old name.
1: That makes sense. He also created and produced That's Incredible, which ran from 1980 to 1984. He produced the 1983 documentary, Adam, which is recounting the story of Adam Walsh, whose abduction and murder would lead to the creation of America's Most Wanted. And obviously, if you know, John Walsh is Adam's father. So John Walsh Mm -hmm. is very big in the true crime and he hosts shows like America's Most Wanted. And that is because his son was abducted and killed. And Jaws 3 in 1983, a.k.a. Jaws 3D, which right. I have to say I did not realize came out in 1983 because, like, obviously I was one. I didn't watch the Jaws movies till much later, <laughs> and I thought Jaws and 3D was like an early 90s thing, so that's hilarious.
0: No, like that that whole range of, like, 83 to 80, I can't remember exactly what was, when 3D was super big. the the, the Friday the thirteenth three and three D and like all the 3D movies were coming out. They even
1: yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen all the Jaws movies, but the the only real good one is the first one, I think, but I've seen them all.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was a big that was a big 3D time.
1: (laughs) This episode was directed by HG Stark, and this is his second of nine episodes as a director. The series, as we know, is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode originally aired on Wednesday, April 27th, 1977.
0: Yeah. Breaking out of the whole Sunday night thing going on. Yeah. The last episode was on the 24th. Would that be correct? Yes. So, yeah. Nice. So then we get Nimoy's narration. The south coastal beaches of Florida bask in the warm Caribbean breezes but the tranquil waters might obscure a mysterious phenomenon that preys on those who venture into the coastal area. A United States Air Force bomber disappeared in 1968. More than 1,000 lives have been lost under circumstances that cause veteran sailors to become uneasy traversing these waters. For ships like the Proteus have disappeared without a trace. Whatever it is that haunts the waters between the Florida coast. The islands of Bermuda and the Bahamas has claimed cargo craft like the white sulfur queen in the open waters of the Atlantic Ocean there abides a phenomenon difficult to explain a danger zone that Ooh. seems to swallow ships and planes we're gonna go into that danger zone because yeah we're mavericks anyway yeah no cutest. one has <laughs>
1: the song from Top Gun there we go <laughs> We can't pay for the song, so just pretend that you're hearing it right now.
0: No one has found a satisfactory answer, but somewhere in this region between the sea and the sky lurks the solution to the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Dun, 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 dun. So yeah. Got our opening credits. And then of course we get that weird break of the opening credits where then he comes in with like a line or two and he says it lies off the coast of florida an area some 60,000 square miles in which lurks the mystery of the bermuda triangle don't don't come back it says in search of the bermuda triangle and then we get some more credits and then we get our little caveat about like hey we might be making stuff up here don't yeah anyway <laughs> and then if nothing the else starts. we're
1: just going to tell you one answer and we're not going to entertain Yes. Other answers, so just just go theory with
0: and conjecture. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: Just go with it. Don't question it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna have a joke about the fact that they say it's sixty thousand square miles, but how can it be sixty thousand square miles when it's a triangle?
1: Oh, oh. oh. Also, okay. it's funny because like when you hear the narration, it doesn't sound bad. Like when Nimoy is speaking, you don't think, oh, no, wow, but, but is it's, really it's,
0: it's horrible sentences. Oh my god, no,
1: but. And like it's very redundant. Like a lot of the same phrases are used oh, over yeah. and over again, and you don't notice that as much when Nimoy is talking. But then when you're reading it, you're like, "Wait, yeah. this could have been phrased way better, or like just cut down because they say the same thing like three times."
0: Yeah, so, and yeah, also anyway. when you're tr- when you're trying to read it as written, you're like, "That's not a
1: sentence. What How am I <laughs> supposed to break
0: this?" <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, You know, (laughs) know, I probably sat on set asking the same question and they're like, just read it, Leonard. This is how you get paid.
0: I mean, he had all that time with Shatner to know about weird breaks. So he was was all right.
1: So anyway, we open by learning that the 7th U.S. Coast Guard District protects one of the busiest air-sea traffic lanes in the world. And we see Coast Guard ships and then there's one ship and we hear this radio call about a ship with three persons on board that's overdue from a fishing trip. So, you know, there's a bunch of people like monitoring this stuff and we hear that call. And then we learn in a year, the district answers more than 10,000 rescue calls which is an average of 25 per day. That's quite a bit of rescue calls. Yeah.
0: And then obviously this is like in 1976 or 77. Yeah. I'm actually not sure when these were filmed because the copyright date on the episodes is actually 76, but the series aired in 77, at the end of 77. So I'm not sure when the content was actually recorded.
1: Either way, this information is probably out of date. I'm guessing they probably get way more calls today and there are probably way more ships and planes traversing that area. So Probably. We learned that the majority of calls revolve around boats out of gas, overdue boats, which many calls are actually called in by anxious shorebound relatives who are like, you know, my friend, my father, my husband was supposed to be back. My daughter, my mom is out on a boat and they're not back when they said they'd be that kind of thing. Or it's inexperienced weekend sailors, maybe people who rent a boat and then have trouble because they don't know what they're doing. But then... There are disappearances that cannot be explained. And most of those disappearances occur in a triangle-shaped wedge bounded by the coast of Florida, the Bahamas, and the island of Bermuda, the so-called Bermuda Triangle. Also known
0: as the Devil's Triangle.
1: Yeah, if that's... you don't want
0: to like make Bermuda feel super guilty because they're like just out there all by themselves, man. It's not their fault. Yeah,
1: it's kind of the thing where we shouldn't <laughs> name stuff after people or places, especially stuff yeah. that's really like dangerous or not yeah. good. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think the Devil's Triangle thing actually came about because other people wanted to write about it, and they were like. Maybe some naming disputes? I um, think I might actually
1: it. have the name of the book in my notes where that name was coined. Maybe not, though. Okay. Well, I but know I read it at some point. Berlitz wrote
0: it. a book called The Bermuda Triangle. He's also responsible for a lot of Atlantis books. He wrote the original Roswell book, Charles Berlitz. So...
1: No, there was some other guy who I think wrote a book called The Devil's Triangle or something.
0: Oh, The Devil's Triangle. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but I can't I, remember. I thought you meant the Bermuda Triangle. Sorry. I don't think
1: I put that in my notes, so I don't know who exactly coined that name, but I remember there no. was a book called that. Yeah, no, at Charles Berlitz is
0: definitely a Bermuda Triangle. He's written at least uh, two that I know of. So So then we get, Nimoy comes in and it's not really narration. It's kind of like just him talking. And that's what we usually again. this show. We get like Every once in a while, we'll cut back to the studio or to like him on location, and he'll be like giving us a little bit of background on the story. (laughs) And then we go back to like the reenactments or interviews or whatever. And so he tells us that some experts claim there is no mystery. And on a program underwritten in part by the Science Foundation, a statement was made that science does not need to explain anything about the Bermuda Triangle because it's not a mystery. But that statement discounts personal stories of those who've witnessed things. And so in search, of his like subtweeting before subtweeting was thing because the show that he's referring to is actually NOVA from PBS, like the science program of note at the time. And they did an episode called The Case of the Bermuda Triangle, which aired on June 27th, 1976. So that does give us a little bit of time. We know that this was recorded at least after that date. And their little blurb on it is like, since 1945, hundreds of ships, planes, and thousands of people have mysteriously disappeared in an area of the Atlantic Ocean off of Florida, known as the Bermuda Triangle. NOVA penetrates the mystery of the terrifying Bermuda Triangle. So, uh, yeah, he's talking about NOVA.
1: Okay.
0: Program underwritten in part by the Science Foundation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering what show it was, but I couldn't find it, so I didn't know.
0: No, it is NOVA. Yeah. So then we see a Coast Guard vessel on the water. And he tells us it's the one like this that carried Lieutenant Frankie Flynn. And Flynn was a 20-year career officer in the Coast Guard. And he sailed in the Bermuda Triangle many times during his career. But only once did something mysterious happen. And so Flynn says that on the night in question, the sea was perfectly calm. And then around 1.30 a.m., he spotted a straight line on the radar. And he called his assistant over. And they looked at it. And they were like, it looks like land. And they were like. Mm, you're right, it does, but we're like supposed to be like 160, 165 miles off the shore. So if there's land right here, we are in trouble. So they carefully approached it, and then it appeared to just be a gray wall out in the
1: middle of the ocean. Weird.
0: <gasps> they never had encountered anything like it before. It was a gray mass just sitting there, and they could still see the stars above, but when they shined their light up, the wall just seemed to go up forever. And so, they were
1: dumbfounded. Never yeah, knew it, what it was. It sounds like fog. Like you're describing a thick fog, my dude. That's what you saw. But I mean, that's just. Or me. as Velma
0: would say, it's very simple. The barometric pressure dropped and then the warm offshore air came in contact with the inland cold front and the boat entered some unnavigable nucleation.
1: Yeah, so. you tell them, Velma.
0: Yep, Doo, where are you? Episode two. <laughs> there you go. Boom. So they continued on. Thankfully, they didn't like crash onto Haunted Isle and have to deal with Bluestone the Great, but they did <laughs> get some throat irritation <coughs> and then difficulty in breathing. And then the engine room called and said they were having problems with steam pressure. And then they talked to the captain and they decided they had to get out of that area. And then they were about to turn around, but by then they had broken through and were on the other side. And he's spoken to several oceanographers, but never did they figure out what they encountered. He also mentioned that that kind of thing has happened before where they'd be like sailing and like their air would get funky and the steam pressure would mess up the boat. But he was sure that it was not coincidence that it happened during this thing. So even though it has happened before when they were not in like Mm -hmm. a gray wall. yeah. So, okay, dude. But anyway, yeah. Yeah.
1: And then we meet Bob Spielman, who has flown extensively in the Bermuda Triangle. Nothing strange has ever happened to him, but a plane he owned was involved in an event, (gasps) quote unquote. And Spielman tells us that he loaned the plane to some friends, and they were near Grand Bahama Island on their way to their destination. And Spielman and his wife had flown into the same area the day prior and everything was fine. I honestly don't know how that relates because it's the day before and it's a different plane and different people flying it. But anyway, everything's fine in that area the day before. Mm -hmm. His friend suddenly lost contact with the Miami radio tower with no explanation and the plane never arrived at its destination. (gasps) Somehow the triangle had claimed five victims on a good day in good weather. Which, Mm. like, no shade to his friends, and I am sorry, like, for his loss, and obviously for their loss, but, like...
0: I mean, he doesn't seem too broke up about it.
1: Flying small planes is dangerous and difficult, and, like, minor mistakes can lead to catastrophic accidents. It happens all the time in small aircrafts. So, you don't even need bad weather, you just need bad luck, or something goes wrong, or someone makes a bad decision, or turns too fast, I don't know. Like, small planes are pretty volatile things. But the following day, Spielman accompanied FAA investigators to the scene of the accident. So they did find the plane. This plane did not just vanish into thin air. No. And they went through the wreckage extensively. And they found that something had put so much force on one of the plane's wings, it had torn the wing right off. (laughs) And Spellman says the FAA said it was, quote, unbelievable that such a force could exist, specifically because the rest of the plane was relatively intact.
0: Hmm. So you have that on paper? Because I don't know about that. I mean, unbelievably, I think those kind of things are called trees that you hit and they tear the wings off because the wreckage is like, it looks like a jungle. Like, where did it crash? They don't tell us where it crashed. The dude said his friends were in the area of Grand Bahama Island and they were heading to our destination beyond it. As someone who thinks people are bad at their core, honestly, all the time. Not that this is bad, really, but I bet they were going to Cuba which would technically be legal and probably why they did not say where it it was and why it crashed. Also, Cuba would technically be outside the Bermuda Triangle because the Bermuda Triangle is like buffered by the Bahamas. So even if they crash like on Bahama Island, technically, they're not in the Bermuda Triangle. They're in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So I'm also willing to bet just based on Spielman and the way he talks and the way he looks because I judge people, I bet he flies contraband goods and or people out of Cuba all the time. So, or at least some of the times he has that vibe. He knows how to like be <laughs> just vague enough when he's talking and not like give you information. And he's also super casual about like five of his friends and his plane like being destroyed, like his friend dying, disappearing. Because yeah. they didn't, apparently, they don't mention they didn't find the people. Like he did, I don't know if they did or like were the people in the wreckage. They just talk about the wreckage. They didn't be like, oh, and we found their bodies. It's just like the plane was messed up.
1: I mean, I assume so, the bodies were with the plane. They don't mention it. But, yeah, it they says, don't. It,
0: well, they say the triangle claimed five lives. That sounds like they disappeared to me, but maybe not. So they just don't mention it because they were just dead in the plane that crashed in the jungle. But
1: yeah, I don't
0: know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's he's a little sus, and the whole story does not. It's, yeah. it's funny because like you think, okay, this is an episode about the Bermuda Triangle. They have twenty two minutes. They're gonna fill it with the most enticing intriguing mysterious stories they can find right the ones Mm -hmm. that are really creepy and then make the hair on your arm stand up and then you get this filming guy with his plane you're like that doesn't even seem like a mystery to me though like
0: yeah and most of the most of the footage is him walking around in his white pants and shirt with his little vest on like looking at planes and flying with his little aviator sunglasses on and just casually talking about like oh the wing was completely torn off and like oh like he doesn't seem bothered by the fact that like five of his friends died and like a plane that he owned has like been destroyed that's why i think like he he's working some contraband stuff or he's just super rich and doesn't care so yeah yeah anyway Then we meet Ray Smithers. He is an amateur researcher seeking a solution to the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Aren't we all Ray? Aren't we all (laughs) anyway? In particular, he wonders if there's any truth to what he heard one night while broadcasting on WFTL, which is Fort Lauderdale, right? Get it. FTL. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Ray was one of three people responsible for presenting a late night radio program about the Bermuda Triangle and 45 minutes into the broadcast. A call received, but when they went to get the caller, there was nothing on the line, not even like dead air, just like nothing. Weird. So they went to the next one and they went down. The math here is weird because he says they went down five additional lines, which would be the first line and then five more. That would be six, all of which had no callers. And then he says on the sixth line, which technically would be the seventh line, if the additional five had no callers. But anyway, the caller was there and he made a statement. And he said, and I quote, There is one of you on the program that will understand what I am going to say. Every living thing on this planet has an aura. The area you are discussing now is the aura of this planet. It is the communicative channel to which Chameleon Council governs this planet. Anyone going into the area when the communicative channel is open... Do not disappear, but they are in the timeless void. They are all perfectly alive and well. It is the only area through which the council can communicate with this planet. And then it's gone.
1: (laughs) That's it. That's That's what he said. That's That's what he said.
0: So the DJ, the morning DJ guy, made a comment about the Bumina Triangle special they had aired that night. And the switchboard lit up. And an unprecedented number of callers reported an unsettling emotional reaction to hearing that call. It's because it was freaking weird. That's why, because it was weird. It's That's why they it, it's felt it was emotional.
1: unsettling. It was, it was freaking, unsettling. It was right?
0: weird. I did not do it justice in my weird portrayal, but it was weird. Anyway, <laughs> however, the caller solution to the triangle is unsatisfying because chameleon cancel? That sounds crazy. Anyway, <laughs> is unsatisfying because to any reasonable investigator. so
1: I'm glad that the answer is not some rando's. not some random radio
0: call. I mean, maybe
1: we don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. Again, 22 the minutes. The channel
0: was obviously open so he can make a call, so that's good. But.
1: 22 minutes, best stories about the Marina Triangle. Come on, guys. This is what you came up with. I am disappointed. I am I disappointed. I,
0: I personally like how Ray made sure to wear his like Island map shirt when he was on TV because he wears, he has this shirt that's basically like a map of like Caribbean or something. <laughs> it's like all water and islands. It's all over the place. It's pretty hilarious. Anyway. So Ray Smithers does say he doesn't believe every case in the Bermuda triangle is mysterious, but there are some that are baffling and unexplainable <laughs> like where he got that shirt. Cause that is a shirt
1: i mean so i've seen i've seen that shirt i've seen that shirt and yeah. like yeah it definitely exists but yeah yeah
0: it's kind of like hawaiian print yeah. kind of style thing i mean it's long sleeves but yeah but it's just all like islands and water and maps and like you know longitude and latitude lines and all that kind of stuff which i thought it was, mm-hmm. just thought I mean, it was it's the funny. kind of thing
1: you would see like at a margaritaville store or like yeah in a gift shop i, in Hawaii. I
0: just think it's funny that he was like i'm gonna be on tv i'm gonna wear this shirt because beauty triangle
1: yeah, i mean so, hey theme i would i mean i'm all for it that's yeah. how i would dress too, to yeah. be honest but yeah so then we learned that the first indication of mysterious disappearances in the bermuda triangle come from 18th century british naval records but we don't we don't get any of those stories so anyway but they exist they just told yeah. us that that that's i a mean thing we can't go
0: over every single one there have been thousands <laughs> Tori, thousands
1: <laughs> why are they picking these then and then in the early 20th century The Marine Sulphur Queen, a cargo ship, disappeared with all hands.
0: I wonder what the Marine Sulphur Queen was carrying. Maybe it was Sulphur. I don't know. Why would you pick that name? I don't know. That's weird.
1: Yeah. And then the ore carrying freighter Proteus was lost without a trace in 1941.
0: And I literally thought he meant like oars, like of boats for a minute until I realized.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) Not that kind of ore. And the U.S. Navy sub Scorpion was lost in 1968, and an investigation has produced no clues to the sub sinking. And in 1965, a C 119 was lost on routine patrol. Ooh. So that's, that's some of the disappearances that they are now listing because they don't have time because they did the radio call thing. So,
0: yeah, although the best known disappearance, they save that for the well, not really the end because we're going to meet someone else later. But Flight 19, a squadron of Navy planes lost in 1945. They were out on navigation training exercise and disappeared. And I'm like, dude, this is bad timing because this episode comes out in April of 1977. And then in November of 1977, Close Encounters comes out and we find out. That the people on flight 19 they just been abducted by aliens like their their planes show up in the sonoma desert in mexico and then they end up at devil's tower they come off the ufo and they're like oh man i'm confused and so we found them it's all good so <laughs> bad timing in search of that's gotta suck and yeah I think maybe spielberg could have like let them know like hey maybe don't mention flight 19 just wink wink not nod but now wouldn't hook up <laughs> with his friend leonard nimoy and give him clue so too bad anyway
1: so we meet carlton hamilton which is quite the name it really is it is
0: lots of tons in there carlton hamilton i don't know his middle name is Probably like Walton or something. Yeah, maybe. Carlton, Walton, Hamilton. So
1: Carlton, Hamilton has worked in aviation for 25 years in the area of the Bermuda Triangle as an air traffic controller and operator. He was on duty as an air traffic controller when flight 19 vanished and he was working at the Miami Tower. They had handled the flight during their initial phase just east of Miami and there was no indication that anything was wrong. But then he lost contact and flight 19 was never heard from again. And five Walt. planes and four. <laughs> oh, poor Carlton Hamilton.
0: <laughs> Carlton, Walton Hamilton. I don't know what his middle name is, but I'm saying his middle name's Walton just because. So.
1: Flight 19 was five planes and a total of 14 men that were all lost without a trace. And then during the rescue attempt, the mystery deepened. Mm. One of the search aircraft lost contact and also vanished. So 250 planes and ships went out searching, and none found any trace of the missing squadron. No trace of the fighters nor the missing rescue plane was ever found.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully he saw a close encounters. So we know. So, I mean, I would think they'd maybe contact and be like, "Hey, we found your buddies." But I, don't I know.
1: mean, maybe. Anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> so he does mention the craft that was lost was a PBY aircraft, and so I was like, "What's a PBY aircraft?" So I looked it up. It's a patrol bomber. And they are, like, they're the air-sea ships, so they can yeah. land and take off on water or on the land. And they're used a lot, like, for, they can, apparently they can drop mines, they can drop torpedoes, they have, they can drop a lot of stuff that blows up, so, and they yeah. can also get lost in the Bermuda Triangle, apparently.
1: They also apparently have a penchant for retaining really flammable gas and exploding. Oh! So that's the cool. thing. So the Navy later will determine that this plane exploded, and it's partly because these planes had a a tendency to explode. Oh, it's not actually that mysterious that it's because it's
0: choice for planes that tend to drop things that explode. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was
1: like a design flaw and I think they stopped using them at some point, but yeah. So Hamilton himself also had an odd experience. He was flying with a friend just off the shore of Miami beach when all their navigation instruments and lights went out. And Nimoy tells us that in most of the disappearances, The sequence begins with loss of radar and navigation capability, which is also what happens in a lot of plane crashes, by the way, just in general. Mm. Just before Hamilton and his friend landed, everything came back on, but they never figured out what happened with their instruments or why they went out. Yeah, And Hamilton believes that something is happening in that devil's triangle that extends from the surface to maybe 8,000, 10,000 feet up and is possibly being created by something under the surface or floor of the ocean that is, like, (gasps) causing these crashes to happen.
0: Like an alien base or something?
1: Yeah, or like an an alien ship that's pulling stuff down or who knows.
0: Yeah. Hamilton does go a little off-brand with the whole Devil's Triangle thing there. but
1: It's another name for it. So Yeah.
0: So then we come back because there is a commercial at the end. So basically, that's the end of the show right there. It's like the surface of the ocean floor, and we're looking at the ocean floor. And then I have to say there was a lot of someone who is basically terrified of the ocean. They did a lot of that thing where they're kind of like filming, like at water level, and then we'll submerge under the water that really whew, man ramped up my anxiety a lot. So yeah. Anyway, then we come back and we get the closing narration from Leonard Nimoy, a veteran Naval coast guard officer encounters a strange phenomenon in the Bermuda triangle. A pilot, with many hours of flying time, finds his plane torn apart by an unknown force. A broadcaster receives a message so strange it can be called otherworldly. A control tower operator earnestly believes that the mystery of the triangle is linked to the strange force. In light of the testimony of four individuals, it seems far fresh to presume that the Bermuda Triangle mystery has been solved. To say, in essence... That science need not investigate is to destroy the rationale for any scientific quest. Man, they are just like
1: throwing (laughs) shit at Nova apart. They're really, they're
0: really not happy with Nova. Maybe because Nova like preempted their episodes, they're like, man, we got okay, we're gonna get them. Anyway, (laughs) the unknown force, it appears, is there in the b Triangle, begging for investigation. (laughs) And we get closing credits. So yeah
1: oh man maybe someone worked (laughs) on the nova show and was like this is bullshit i'm going to in search of
0: (laughs) i don't know maybe or just or just landsberg was pissed off at like he had this idea for the bermuda triangle show and then like nova just like we got a bermuda triangle episode and he's like
1: ah and there's no reason to talk about it anymore because nothing's going on please stop and then he's like i'll show you i'll show you all We'll just, I'll find we'll just, great we'll just, examples. We'll just, we'll just
0: edit this narration here. Type 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 type. So yeah, <laughs>
1: I'll find the best <laughs> examples of disappearances that are totally 100 mysterious and questionable.
0: I mean, there you go. So. Yeah.
1: so as the episode says, Flight 19 was lost during a routine navigation exercise. It was lost on December 5th, 1945. The Navy concluded that Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, who was the lead pilot in the formation, mistook small islands offshore for the Florida Keys after his compass stopped working. And therefore, he traveled in the wrong direction trying to get home because he didn't know where he was. He radioed in. And from the articles I read, it sounds like he radioed in several times. His first call was really distressing. He was very confused. He said he couldn't see land and didn't know where they were. Again, there was more intermittent contact with Taylor as he kept trying to orient his plane. And they even like kept trying to tell him to turn on his transmitter so they could see where he was. And he kept insisting it was on, but I don't know if it actually was or they were ever able to identify where he was. Weather worsened and it got dark and eventually they lost all contact. So it's believed that he basically had misoriented himself by looking at those islands, thinking it was Florida Keys and ended up going way too far east. And that even if the pilots realized their mistake and turned around, they wouldn't have had enough gas to get back by the time they realized that they had gone way too far in the wrong direction. A little while later, the Navy amended their report saying that the cause of their disappearance was now classified as unknown because Taylor's mother complained that the report made it sound like he was being blamed for the loss of five planes and 14 men. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think, I mean, honestly, I think he was because I know I've heard about this too. And like, watch things about it, whatever. And there's even, I believe, there is some audio transcript, whatever, where like the other dudes flying with him were like arguing with him as well. Like I could see that that they thought that like because th- the you know the operators telling them one thing. And he's like, no, no, but because of like, you know, you don't want to, you know, disregard a rank and all that kind of stuff. Because if you're wrong, you're gonna be busted, right? And so they all kind of just like, well, we're just gonna keep following orders and do what we're supposed to do and then yeah so so whether his instruments maybe weren't working that's the thing they don't know like was his like were his instruments not working that's why he was confused or all that you know which is a possibility but like he was just hardcore like i mean no i'm i mean so it sounds kind of like he was a dick honestly sorry yeah Because he was refusing even, like, when they were telling, like, no, like, you are not where you think you are. Like, turn around. He refused to. So.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like he maybe did get all of them killed. Yeah. Great. Super good. And again, one of the PBM flying boats that was sent to search for the flight did disappear, but the Navy concluded that there had been an explosion on board and it had probably exploded. Again, they were apparently prone to do that. So it wasn't that out of the ordinary. Flight 19 has never been recovered, though there have been false discoveries (coughs) of the wreckage (coughs) over the years that turned out to be uh, other similar planes. Although Flight 19 was featured in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, I don't know
0: why people keep disregarding.
1: I mean, that's not a documentary. That's just a a fictional movie (laughs) by Steven Spielberg.
0: But everything in there is real. Like Devil's Tower is real. Everything is real.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't
0: know like Muncie in the end is a real place. Everybody I think it's all real. I thought it was real. <laughs> Pretty sure it was real.
1: So the Bermuda Triangle legend actually began in 1950. So it's not like they say that these disappearances started being reported in like 18th century British naval records. But again, it's not that weird for ships to disappear, especially before like, like tracking and stuff, like before they could like, You know, if a ship sank and no one was around to see it, no one knew that, you know, there was no one to tell you where it sank. So it wasn't that uncommon. But in 1950, a man named Edward Van Winkle Jones published an article in the Miami Herald about a number of strange disappearances.
0: That the name.
1: Yeah. Edward Van Winkle Jones. And then in 1952, a man named George Sand published a piece called Sea Mystery at Our Back Door in Fate magazine. And again, that was about the missing planes and ships. And he was the first to outline the triangular area and say, like, this is the area all these things are disappearing in. And then in 1964, Vincent H. Gaddis coined the term Bermuda Triangle in an article claiming that over a thousand lives have been claimed by the area. So if you've heard about the Bermuda Triangle and think, oh, this is something that has been happening for eons and centuries, like it, it hasn't even really been discussed till the 1950s. And then they kind of backfilled. They're like, oh, well, all these other things disappeared in this general area, too. So, mm.
0: so I'm really <laughs> confounded now because your whole like close encounters was not a documentary thing was kind of They'll
1: throw anyway. you through a loop there.
0: Yeah. And so I looked up the ship they found in the desert, uh-huh. epoxy. Like it's a real ship and it disappeared. And they found it, but they found it in 1980 off oh. the coast of Bermuda. Oh. So, I he didn't find it in the Gobi Desert.
1: Yeah.
0: It was disappeared.
1: Yeah. Sorry, man.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. He added oh. that scene in
1: 1980. Oh, did
0: he? And it was found in 1980. I wonder if it was found after he did that. It was maybe. Panicked. Again, people are just getting, like, screwed left and right by, like, time around here. So, Alan Landsberg, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> poor Carlton, Walton, Hamilton. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> just, uh,
1: a recent episode of the Science Channel's What on Earth suggested that hexagonal Quote honeycomb clouds photographed by weather satellites in the Bermuda Triangle might indicate the presence of natural quote air bombs is what they're called and they're powerful mm-hmm. downdrafts of air that could like down a plane or create forty one foot ocean swells and sink ships basically pull them underwater. Oh. However, the program didn't actually have evidence that these air bombs occur in that area. And meteorologists have said that the clouds in the Bermuda Triangle don't actually display the distinctive structure of microbursts or air bombs. So oh. that is probably not the explanation.
0: I'd never heard. that was a, I had never heard that theory, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was oh. just looking up different theories on it. And that was one that I came across. But then it was instantly okay. like people were like, no, this isn't happening there. Hmm. In 1975, Larry Kush published his book The Bermuda Triangle Mystery Solved, in Ooh. which he argued that other authors and proponents of the Bermuda Triangle exaggerated numbers and failed to do accurate research. He states that many supposed mysteries were not mysteries at all and that many cited incidents didn't even happen in the triangle area. So people would like have this giant list of disappearances but like when he actually looked into it a lot of them would not even have actually disappeared in the triangle. They were just like nearby.
0: Like maybe Spielman and his little, his friends who disappeared.
1: Yeah, entirely possible. So he did extensive research of his own, and he concluded that the number of disappearances that occurred within the Bermuda Triangle was not actually greater than in any other similarly trafficked area of the ocean, and that other writers failed to report storms that occurred on the same day as disappearances some even making it seem as though conditions had been calm, like everything was fine and the skies were clear when actually oh. there was like hurricane force winds or something that day and because they wanted to create a sensational story. Hmm. So his research kind of debunked a lot of the people who were trying to claim that the triangle had taken all these lives and ships and planes and
0: yeah. I'm going to assume that his book was a direct response to Burlitz's book, because Berlitz's book came out in
1: 74. Entirely possible. I'm sure that was part of it. I'm sure that was definitely one of the things where he was like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. So the most likely explanation for most of the disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle is a mixture of equipment failure, human error, and just bad luck. There are a lot of storms that happen in that area. So that's a thing. And obviously, like we said, flying small planes is hard. Things happen. The reason so many vessels disappear for good is in part due to strong currents because they can pull things under pretty quickly after they Land in the ocean, or if like the boats start sinking, they're going to go under fast. And there's also really deep ocean floor topography in that area. So stuff can sink really far and just be hidden out of view forever.
0: Hmm. What about the bubble theory, Tori?
1: I have not heard the bubble theory. That's you have one not one heard the I bubble theory. Heard.
0: You were searching and you did not come across the bubble theory?
1: I did not.
0: So, or I maybe was...
1: I didn't. I was like, no, that's not right. And just, okay. <laughs> done, well, here's but... the thing.
0: So when you search, the bubble theory will come up. But then what also come up is a bunch of stuff saying that like the bubble theory is baloney, and so the bubble theory started like in the early 2000s. I think the I think the first mention of it is possibly in 2001, maybe in 2003. I did look up like some actually like scientific journal articles about it too. Most of the stuff you'll find is like you know like from like Live Science or like you know whatever, just like you know websites that have articles like that. Not saying they're bunk, but you know you always want to look for those. More scientific explanations, anyway. So, the bubble theory, and I'm pretty sure the Mythbusters did an episode about it as well. I seem to remember, I know I've seen video of how it works, but anyway, there's no guarantee this is what causes it because also it doesn't. There's a way they try to use it to explain like the airplanes, too, but it's kind of a stretch. But anyway, what happens is so there's undersea methane eruptions, okay, and it causes bubbles. Depending on the theory you're reading, it'll either be a giant bubble but most of the ones i always saw back in the day when this kind of theory was was coming up and i did stuff on it and i say i did stuff on it like i did research when i like saw things about it read about it all that kind of stuff it was usually it was more like it was just lots and lots of bubbles not micro bubbles but just lots of bubbles and so what happens is when that happens it affects the buoyancy of the water because there's so much air That basically it's almost like you're not in water. It's like you're in air. And we know that Uh. like ships don't float in air. They fall through the sky if they're in the air. And so when there's that much air directly underneath a ship, the ship will sink. And then after the bubbles pass, then you've got like water in your ship and then you sink and you go down. And, like, there's one video that I saw, and I'm pretty sure this was the Mythbusters, but may have been something else, where they actually did, like, a scale model, and they, you know, they weighted it properly, and all that kind of stuff, they put it in water, and then let all the bubbles, and that's why I'm thinking micro-bubbles in my head, because they had to to scale them, right, to kind of work right. And then once the bubbles come up, the ship basically just was, like, whoa, like, just goes down into the water. So, that is one of the theories. There are a lot of, there's, you'll see a lot of stuff recently, like, since... I think the first one I saw was 2013, but I know 16 and 17 are some big times for it too. You'll see a lot of stuff saying like, they'll jokingly call it like ocean farts and it'll be like, it's bunk. It doesn't work. It's all the same person. And it is a, she is a scientist and she's from the university college London. So it's not like she's just like some rando crazy person. But when I tried to research all her debunkery, all I could find was either YouTube videos of her doing talks about it, or she wrote a book. I could not find any actual like journal articles or like science science. So huh. I don't know. And then she's the only person that I've seen associated with that. Just it's, it's everywhere because like everyone covered it, and so it like it will like swarm the search when you're looking for it. You'll see all these things about like it's bunk, it's bunk, it's bunk. And when you click through and look at them all, it's all the same source. And so I don't know. I didn't do like super deep to find out what's going on. I'm not saying she's wrong in her explanation of why it is, but it's just it kind of weights it because like one like because there are many articles by different people about it. But then there's one that is like it's garbage. And Mm -hmm. so it might might be garbage. I don't know. But it's just. Yeah, I don't
1: either. That's interesting. You know, I hadn't heard that one. I might have seen the Mythbusters episode. If they did one like years ago, but I didn't really come across that much. Or again, maybe I came across it when I was researching and I was just like eh, nonsense and just moved on. But yeah, um,
0: I had never heard the uh, the honeycomb air thing, though. That was that's pretty
1: new. So that show aired in the okay. late like 2015 to 17 ish. So I think it was aired around that time. Okay. But then other people came along and said that that's not what yeah, I on. did
0: not dig into that to look for like scientific articles.
1: Well, for I sure. do have an article so. from Life, Life Science that I.
0: Yeah. Well, I know, but I mean, like, notes. then, then like, a lot, what it annoys me a lot because a lot of times you'll look at these articles and they will mention a source, but they never link to it or give you enough information to find the source. And it irritates the crap out of me because, like,
1: it's. <laughs> the well, internet, I saw you know, an stuff, article claiming so. that. And then I found one that was like, no, that's not really what's going on. So, okay.
0: yeah. I just I always like to look for, like, you know, because I always like scientists say or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, what scientists wear? What did they say it is? this and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff? So. I like to get to the primary sources, so
1: yeah, it's not a bad anyway. idea.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Bermuda well, Triangle.
1: Sounds the real, Bermuda Triangle.
0: I, it's I obviously true. So I,
1: I don't think it is. I think it's just normal. The normal amount of dispute. I mean, you also you think Close Encounters of the
0: Third Kind is a f- work of fiction.
1: I so. mean, I do. So. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Judge for yourself, listeners. Judge for yourself.
1: So. <laughs>
0: i did i did like and this is you're you're talking about the, the larry kush book and you're saying you you had that 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 code word that is like he did his own research and that's like the thing of like crazy people nowadays is like i do my oh, own research yeah. well, i don't need to listen to science i do my own research i know that wasn't what was meant but no what happened now, is he actually
1: looked he, he looked up a lot of the cases that people had cited yeah, and he actually found like news reports about where, yeah. you know, the disappearances. So he did like actual research to figure yeah, out no, like, what it was. Just the way it was to when, the I, when I hear
0: that now, it's what I always think of. I'm oh, not saying yeah. that, he, that he's that kind of person. No, it's he did like, actually
1: like track yeah. down. He did way more <laughs> research than people who are just claiming that these are disappearances. Like he actually yeah. looked to see when and where they disappeared and what the circumstances were, what was the weather on that day? Like, you know, were these experienced yeah. pilots, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. No, he was yeah, he was he was digging deeper than like the headline or what have you and be like, okay, well like and uh, that's the thing. When you actually look you always have to go to that's the thing you always want to go to primary sources, you also want to ask the question of like did the thing they're talking about even actually happen? Like, Right, you know, like, exactly. Did did a ship really disappear on those days? And sometimes you find out, like, no, the no, whole thing is sometimes. made out of whole cloth.
1: Yeah, and there, so. there <laughs> were plenty of those, too, where, like, they, they, there was yeah. no disappearance, the ship doesn't exist, that kind of thing. Or it's an exaggeration, and the ship is fine, and no one vanished or, or the, whatever. Or they
0: conflate things together, and yeah. know, there's all kinds of little things Yeah, yeah.
1: The Bermuda Triangle is one of those things that I feel like in the 80s, if you were a kid who watched Unsolved Mysteries, and those kinds of shows, it felt like it was going to be a bigger problem in your life. Like You were going <laughs> to have to avoid the Bermuda Triangle or whatever, much like quicksand and kidnappings. Like, it just felt like it was going to be like a real issue. And then you alligators an in the sewer. Like, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's really not. I think you're probably fine. I think it's always a risk to get into a small plane with an inexperienced pilot. But that's what you have to I look out for, to, really,
0: <laughs> is apparently there is a Great Lakes Triangle you've
1: really Oh, I've heard about before. that. Yeah, yeah. Whew, that one, Whew,
0: man. Yeah, I'm probably more likely to go to the Great Lakes than I am to go to the Bermuda Triangle because it's hot down there, and I'm not a fan of that. So <laughs> I try to stay away from the equator, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bermuda Triangle solved. All right, Leonard, that was away.
1: in search of and our discussion of it.
0: Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, we got a we got a good one coming up next too, man. This was this was a nice like we had like we had like plants talk, and then <laughs> you know they, they, they they've been a little lackluster. We had like strange visitors thought it was gonna be like ghostry I'm like nope, wasn't nope. It was like oh, we're racist and don't think that Native Americans can actually do things, but we had we had this one beauty triangle, old school action yeah, old school. Triangle. Yep. yes and the next one
1: mm-hmm. yeah the next one's good Ooh, looking forward next to it good looking All forward right. to it we hope you are too thank you for supporting us on patreon we appreciate right. it. you're awesome
0: talk to you in a couple of days bye
1: bye i want to rewatch is hosted by tori and nick and recorded at black cat studios hashtag really just a bedroom closet
0: Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians.
1: Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guess it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us.
0: Speaking of which, be sure to join us next Wednesday as we go in search of
1: Bigfoot. Woo! Yay! Bigfoot boobs. And try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is still out there. there.
0: The truth is what we make
1: of it. feeder and he just gives <laughs> me this look that is so betrayed that it is hilarious let me go give him some kim ader back okay <clears throat> are you still betrayed right now yeah there's okay